Apparently, Coach Hubert Davis is trying to keep it all in the ACC. Next up in the portal pursuit, can the Tar Heels land Florida State transfer Matthew Cleveland? You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Thursday, April 20th, 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I am your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or watch every single day, especially those of you who are tuning in with us every day, been calling you the everydayers. It's good to be back. Glad to see it. For those of you watching on YouTube, you can see that I'm wearing some enemy territory t-shirt here i've got a florida state baseball camp shirt on from when i was in high school so this is like a couple decades old at this point but you know what i'm hoping it can bring some good juju to the matthew cleveland conversation so forgive me for some some tallahassee noise going on on my shirt here and uh you know if it doesn't work we'll never do it again i promise by the way, as we get into talking about Matthew Cleveland today, I want to shout out Mark Simpson, who actually had sent an email to LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com last week. He had asked about several transfers, including Matthew Cleveland, and I had told him, hey, we'll get to those guys next week. Would love to talk about them for you and shout you out. So I was already actually planning on talking about Matthew Cleveland either today or tomorrow, but since the news came out on Wednesday about um, Matthew Cleveland's connection with North Carolina, I figured we'd go ahead and do that today. I had also promised uh, on yesterday's show we were going to talk Jaron Stevenson because I want to update on that. We'll get to him tomorrow uh, since the Cleveland stuff is a little more pressing right now. So Mark Simpson, thanks for your email, brother. So Matthew Cleveland coming out of Florida State. Uh, I kind of joked about it off the top. Obviously, Carolina already has one intra-conference transfer from the ACC. That's Jalen Withers from Louisville. They're also talking with Cormac Ryan, a Notre Dame transfer, and Matthew Cleveland as well from Florida State. Cleveland brings with him two years of eligibility. That is always a big thing to watch for in the transfer portal. Can you get somebody that's more than a one-year rental? He's 6'7", 200 pounds, a shooting guard, um, but really, uh, I would imagine Carolina would use him as a small forward. He's out of Atlanta, my neck of the woods. Love that. Was a five-star coming out of high school, top 25 at the 247 Sports Composite. Now, listen, this guy is no joke. He was one of those guys that came in, people thinking, hey, maybe he's going to be a one-and-done type player. Um, his freshman year, ACC sixth man of the year. Uh, This past year, his sophomore year, put up 13.8 points per game. And I know that is like, hey, that's solid. Listen, that was Florida State's leading scorer this past year. And in fact, he was their second leading scorer last year as a freshman. Um, Keep in mind, Florida State, Leonard Hamilton plays so many guys that there's like 37 of them that all average eight, nine or 10 points a game. Uh, Obviously, I'm joking, but in all seriousness, it's like, to, to lead a balanced Florida State offense and scoring is a big deal. Shot 44.5% last year from the field, 35% from three, although just two, two attempts a game there, so that's something to keep in mind. Just 69% from the free throw line last year, um, so obviously you'd want to get that up. 
7.4 rebounds per game as a guard. And so um, some great numbers there. You love to see that. 1.8 assists, just shy of one steal per game and just shy of one block per game. So does a little bit of everything to help fill out the stat sheet. Now, I'm sure you're also wondering who else is in on Mr. Cleveland. Everyone. You a high major school? They've called him. I mean, the, I've got a list in front of me. I'm not even going to really bother reading it off because there's like 20 schools I have listed here. But I will say this. His final five coming out of high school, Florida State, Kansas, Michigan, NC State, and Stanford. It's another Stanford connection. So many of them lately. In his transfer portal, Ness in his transfer portal time. There's no crystal balls yet as to where folks think he will land. But Jamie Shaw, you probably remember him from the whole Gigi Jackson saga last summer, says that according to his sources, despite it being a pretty tight-lipped recruitment around Matthew Cleveland, um, his sources are saying that it seems like right now, as of the time we're talking about this, are the most likely landing spots are one of these four. Michigan, Missouri, Miami, or the North Carolina Tar Heels. So three M schools and the Tar Heels as an N, clearly we're the odd one out and we're going to win <laughs> this commitment. Um, but it, it makes sense why it's taken a while for Carolina's connection to Matthew Cleveland to come out because of this tight-lipped nature of the whole conversation. So just keep that in mind as we go. Um, so what, what, what should you be watching for to get some hints about where Cleveland might be wanting to go? Well, you want to watch for where does he actually schedule official visits? Is it these four schools, Michigan, Missouri, Miami, North Carolina? Is there a fifth that comes into that? Um, I, I think there would certainly be room for it, but you'll have to watch and see not necessarily so with the fifth school. So keep your eyes on what visits does he schedule and which ones does he actually go on? Because a lot of times in the transfer portal, remember, it's I, I call it microwave recruiting as opposed to the crockpot crock recruiting of high school, if you'll allow me that analogy. And so sometimes if a player sees something he like, boom, he's in immediately, kind of like Paxson Wojcik did with North Carolina. By the way, this is pretty funny, but Carolina, you, you might or might not be aware, has a linebacker this year who transferred in from Florida State. His name's Amari Gaynor. And uh, he actually tweeted at Matthew Cleveland to, quote, come on over. And so I, I love to see uh, th this Florida State guy who's now a Tar Heel recruiting another Florida State guy. So Amari Gaynor, well done, sir. And yes, Matthew Cleveland, come on over for sure. So what I want to talk about is what we're looking at uh, of I've done this with just about every transfer portal um, target that North Carolina is going after. Why UNC and why not UNC? I want to do that and we'll hit that in just a second. But first, I want to tell you that this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Something exciting is coming to Built.com on April 22nd. I don't have all the details for you yet, but the excitement I can tell you is real and it's something you're not going to want to miss. If you know how Built works and you've been with us, they have the most incredible protein bars out there. And often what they'll do is these like amazing flavor drops that are limited quantity, limited run orders. And what you have to do is make sure you get on it quick so that you don't miss out. So 
Mark your calendars and head to Built.com on Saturday, April 22nd. That's just a couple days from now. And be one of the first to discover what all this hype is about. Personally, I can't wait to see what the flavor is. My guess, honestly, I'm going with uh, prune rhubarb. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, in all seriousness, if it's going to be some kind of cool flavor out there, let's. I want something like peach cobbler. I'm a Southern boy, and I love that kind of idea. Make sure to use promo code LOCKEDON15, and you'll get 15% off of your order when you go to get this amazing limited run flavor. Built, a proud sponsor of the Locked On Network. All right, we're talking Matthew Cleveland, transfer coming out of Florida State. He's an Atlanta guy, an Atlanta kid. He's played two years for the Seminoles and has two years of eligibility left. Remember, this class, the upcoming junior class, is the first class that does not have an extra year of COVID eligibility, so legitimately only has two years. I want to talk about why North Carolina, give you several reasons why I think he would be a good fit for Carolina or that Carolina would be a good fit for him. And then we'll flip the script and talk about why not. So why UNC? Number one, he's a wing scorer. And Carolina needs both of those things. (laughs) They need wings and they need scorers. So getting somebody who's a wing scorer, chef's kiss. That is a big win. Uh, Let's unpack those one at a time. Wing. Remember, Carolina lost every wing. We've talked about this a lot. Leaky Black is out of eligibility. Puff Johnson's gone. Dontre Styles gone. Tyler Nickel, all gone. Carolina needs wings. Now, as I said earlier, he's listed as a shooting guard, a 6'7 shooting guard. But given the rest of Carolina's backcourt personnel, he would be a small forward, play the three for the Tar Heels. Maybe he, you know, depending on lineup, if Carolina wanted to go jumbo, he could play the two, or if they wanted to go small, he might, because of his athleticism, be able to play the four, but he would slot in as a three. What about the scorer side of that? With all due respect to our guy, Leaky Black, who you know we love in a big way here on this podcast, the scoring side of things for Leaky was the icing on top of his defensive cake. With Matthew Cleveland, he is a scorer. As we already said, led the Knowles in scoring last year and was second his freshman season. And that's why while coming off the bench, by the way, I should add. Why else? Yes, UNC. Why positive? This is a massive one for me. Matthew Cleveland does not have to be a volume shooter to be a volume scorer or to be offensively effective putting the ball in the basket. And why do I think that is such a big deal? Let me tell you. Armando Baycott, Carolina needs to get him a lot of shots, a lot of touches, get him the ball shooting a lot. RJ Davis, we expect that he will shoot and score a lot for the Tar Heels. And so if you can have somebody else coming in who's been a leading scorer at an ACC program and doesn't need a ton of shots to do that, see what I'm saying? That is a good compliment to other guys who do take a lot of shots. Next reason, number three, why UNC? Explosive athleticism is some is a phrase I would use to describe Matthew Cleveland. This is one of the big things that the Tar Heels really needed to improve on following last year is just overall team athleticism. Cleveland, Matthew Cleveland, undoubtedly helps in that endeavor. He's a young man who plays above the rim. He can get out and transition. Yes, 6'7", but boy, he can get up and throw it down. So this is like, first of all, let's get back to running a lot, but let's get him out in transition. He's a great finisher 
He finishes at the rim at a 56% rate, at least did last year. And so um, that explosive athleticism and body control would be a great thing for Carolina to have at the three. Next reason, why UNC? Phenomenal positional rebounder. This is what you're looking for. Not everyone is going to get, you know, 10 to 13 rebounds a game like Armando Baycott. But what you're looking at is how does this player rebound positionally? Like RJ Davis is a great example of that. As small as he is, the dude averages plenty of rebounds and and is what you would love to see out of a guard of that size. My man, Matthew Cleveland pulled down 7.4 rebounds a game last year as a six, seven wing. Now, 1.4 of those were offensive rebounds. In fact, his freshman year averaged several rebounds fewer, but the offensive rebounds were even higher, 1.5. And so in addition to just his overall rebounding prowess, something that he's going to be able to add is second chance opportunities, which Carolina under Hubert Davis has not done at as high a level. That offensive rebounding rate has dipped significantly, despite the fact that Armando Baycott is one of the best Offensive rebounders, frankly, in the entire nation. And so Matthew Cleveland could help with that in a really big way. Two more things on why Carolina. Ability to make difficult shots. One of the difficult things about losing Caleb Love is he's somebody that was always willing to take a late shot clock possession and be the guy to have to hoist it up. Uh, Pete Nance did that on occasion later in the year and, and was really patient and consistent there. But We've all seen it, right? A lot of times Caleb's teammates would just default to him like, let's get Caleb the ball and get out of the way because we're under five seconds and we need something. Well, Matthew Cleveland is a guy I've seen able to go um, and make a tough basket at the end of the shot clock. Part of what's really helpful about that is um, he's not the best overall ball handler out there, but he is a really, really good like half court ball handler and can create that shot for himself. And so that ability to create space shot, create and shot make at the end of shot clock could be really pivotal, pivotal, excuse me, for the Tar Heels next versatile defensive capability. Now let's not mistake Matthew Cleveland for leaky black. Well, I said Matthew Cleveland would bring a higher offensive capability than leaky. Um, He's not the same defender leaky is, but He is a good, like above average defender. And because of his explosive athleticism, because of his size um, and and foot speed, can essentially switch one to four. And, you know, depending on who's playing five, if it's a small ball, five could switch one through five. And so that's so helpful in today's basketball game as team after team after team is going to try to screen you to death to exploit mismatches. Well, you can't do that with Matthew Cleveland. If you're the other team, if you're Carolina, you feel, or if you got him on your team, you feel great about those mismatches because he can do it, quite frankly. And so I love this. Now, again, he he is not leaky. He's not going to be the dude one-on-one defensively, but he is athletic enough to do what he needs to do. And so that's great. All right, those are my reasons why, yes, UNC, why he would be a good fit for the Heels or the Heels would be a good fit for him. I'd love to know yours. What other reasons have I not said why you think Matthew Cleveland would fit well with the Tar Heels? Now, let me take you to the flip side. Why I think either he wouldn't be a good fit for the Tar Heels or why he thinks the Tar Heels might not be a good fit for him. Number one, what if what if Harrison Ingram does end up coming to Chapel Hill? 
we learned from his in-home visit with coach Davis last week that, that Harrison Ingram, the, the play, the plan for him would be to be a small forward, to play the three. Well, I, I would project that both these guys would be a potential starting three for the Tar Heels next year. And yes, we need a bunch of wings. And so it would be phenomenal to get both of these guys on the roster. But would they both come if they both think they're going to be the starting three? Would there be a possibility that Carolina is just going to go straight up small ball most of the time? And you could get these two guys to be the three and the four with Jalen Withers as another four. And then Jalen Washington could back up Mondo. Maybe that's what you're doing. Um, maybe you do want to go big and, and Washington plays the four if if the foot speed's there and, and he can guard in space. And but but then you have to start looking again. Would you get both of these guys? I don't know. Now, keep in mind, Matthew Cleveland, as I said earlier, was the sixth man of the year in the ACC his freshman year, but obviously started for Florida State this whole past year. So that's something to keep an eye on is if Harrison Ingram wants to come, does that rule out Matthew Cleveland? Another reason why potentially not UNC, and this is on the side of why Carolina might not want Matthew Cleveland. There's a lot of uncertainty with his three-point shooting. Had a great year this past year, 35%, but his freshman year, just 17.6% from beyond the arc. So my question is, which one of those is the real thing, or is it somewhere in between? My guess would be that what he did his sophomore year was closer to the real thing. But it's just hard to know when you've only got those two years of sample size, and there's so much differentiation between the two of them. The other thing with this is that he's not been a prolific three-point shooter. Even last year, I, I said this earlier, but as he shot 35%, he was still only taking two attempts a game. And we've talked so much about how Carolina needs needs more volume of, of three-point shooting from that three position to help draw defenders out away from Armando Baycott so he can operate in the post. Here's the good news, though. With Matthew Cleveland, his three-point shooting or potential liability with it is the thing holding him back from being in the NBA already. So he knows he's got to work his absolute butt off to get better at this and prove to NBA personnel that last year was not a fluke, that that is the reality of Matthew Cleveland, not his freshman year. So there is a silver lining in that as well. Uh, just a couple other things here. One, uh, the next one is that he's not a, a dynamic playmaker for others. He certainly can and does do that. Hear me not saying that uh, Matthew Cleveland is an unwilling passer or an unwilling sharer of the basketball. He averaged 1.2 assists a game his freshman year, 1.8 last year. So certainly he is a willing and capable passer, but like it, it, it's not the same distribution level that you would have gotten from like Theo Pinson or Leaky Black pre this year. Remember Leaky this year, those assist numbers were way down as his rebounds went way up. So, you know, maybe this is a thing if you're Carolina that you're okay with, but it is a potential why Carolina might not be as interested because keep in mind that assist percentage for the Tar Heels was way under where it should have been last year. And so they need guys who are able to find each other. Now, I'm not saying that Matthew, again, I'm not saying he can't or won't do this. It's just, you know, I, I think it'd be rad to get somebody at this three position whose assists were in the two to three per game category. Uh, 
Another one, this might be one of the biggest bugaboos, is his free throw percentage. I, we talked about it earlier. Just 55% as a freshman and then 69% last year. His career average is he attempts 3.8 per game. So Matthew Cleveland obviously has to get this number up. Um, if he's going to be a shooter, if he's going to be like a 3 and D guy or a, a, an elite slasher kind of player, getting to the rim, finishing at the rim as efficiently as he does, as we talked about earlier, he's got to be able to follow that up with making the and one more than half of the time. And so that number up to 69% last year, that's encouraging, but you'd really love to see him 75% or above. So we'll keep our eyes on that. One last thing on eh, why maybe not is this. At some point, you look at these guys coming from these other ACC schools. Jalen Weathers, who's already committed, comes from Louisville, who was one of the worst Power 5 teams, or Power 6 teams, I would say, including the Big East, in all of college basketball last year, and in fact, in the entire Ken Palm era. Only Cal was down there with them being really, really bad. Well, the next thing is that Cormac Ryan, another guy you're looking at that, at camp, comes from Notre Dame, who was one slot above Louisville last year in the ACC standings. And then Florida State, it was like Louisville, Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, Florida State. So the Knowles were fourth from the bottom. And so I know these young men are talented and, and have won at many levels, but they're all coming from ACC schools who didn't win much of anything last year. And so um, you wonder what, what they would bring in that way. Like you want to make sure that they are ready to come in and do everything necessary to get back to those winning ways. And you got to imagine they're desperate to do so, but it's just, there's, there's something there and you want to make sure that you're getting guys who have that winning capability and mentality. So I'd love to know your thoughts. Same as I said on like, why yes, Matthew Cleveland, I'd love to know your thoughts on why no Matthew Cleveland, either him fitting with Carolina or Carolina fitting with, him. Well, moving on from Matthew Cleveland to somebody else we already talked about, not only on this show, but a lot lately. I don't know how many times I've said it, but you ready? Here's another twist in the Harrison Ingram recruitment saga. <laughs> we'll get to that in just a second. Okay. As the news came out earlier in the week that Harrison Ingram was postponing his official visit to Kansas until next week, the 27th of April, uh, we also learned that North Carolina had done really well with their in-home visit. Of course, it's Hubert Davis. He's a stud. He's a baller. He's not going to come into your living room and leave near and be like, oh, I hate that guy, right? No, of course, Hubert Davis always delivers. So there was speculation following that that maybe Harrison Ingram would go ahead and schedule an official to North Carolina. And boy, did this move quickly. It came out that Harrison Ingram would indeed schedule a visit to North Carolina. Not only would he, but it started last night on Wednesday night. So as we speak, uh, I'm actually recording this on Wednesday night. So right now, Harrison Ingram is in Chapel Hill. Even when you're listening to this on Thursday, Harrison Ingram is in Chapel Hill. And so to me, this is great news to be able to get in before Bill Self in Kansas, where you just went into his home. And now he comes to your home and you've heard Armando Baycott say it. Don't come visit Chapel Hill because you're not going to want to ever leave. It's so beautiful. Folks, I live about three hours from Lawrence, Kansas. I've been to that campus. It ain't anything compared to Chapel Hill. I mean, it's fine and great, but it ain't North Carolina. And so for me, this is massive to get to get him on campus. 
Also keep in mind, I mean, sad news that Carolina learned on Wednesday is that Nick Timberlake did not commit to the Tar Heels. And while it seemed for a while um, like Carolina had a lead, I, we've it's just dwindled. And, and I was already like, nah, we're not going to get him. But here's what I, is good for the Tar Heels. It seemed like everything was trending towards UConn after he had been with them last weekend. And it was UConn, UConn, UConn. And then out of nowhere on Wednesday afternoon, here came the, the commitment. He's going to Kansas. For me, this is a big win for Carolina in terms of the Harrison Ingram recruitment. Because um, Kansas, just like North Carolina, we've said it, needs a bunch of wings on their roster. But getting somebody like Timberlake would complicate matters for Ingram, assuming that that Bill Self wants both those guys to come in and play small forward. Maybe not. Maybe he wants Ingram to come in and play the four, and in which case that would still be open for them because they they need to replace that with Jalen Wilson as well, who had obviously such a good year. But for me, this is, I think, I mean, it's not bad for North Carolina that Kansas got uh, Nick Timberlake, other than that Carolina didn't get Timberlake. I would have loved to have had him and his shot-making ability because to me, Carolina still doesn't have that sniper yet. Um, I, th- I mean, I think... My- RJ Davis will be the best three-point shooter on the team. But outside of that right now, you're waiting to see who rises up to match his level. So for me, with Harrison Ingram in Carolina, right in Chapel Hill right now, here's what I say. Wrap this thing up right now, Hubert Davis. Don't let him leave. Get a commitment from him. Make him understand how important he is and what a great piece he could be. Don't even let him get to Lawrence, Kansas excuse me, next week. Don't let that be a thing. Do the Hubert Davis thing and get this guy here. I will say again, though, as we talked about earlier in the show, I'm curious to see if Carolina could get both Harrison Ingram and Matthew Cleveland. I think it'd be great. The question is, are they willing to battle it out for the starting three position and one of them take the back seat to the other or go to a different position. But you know that backcourt is already loaded. And, you know, could either of them be the consistent starter at the four? I don't know. And then you think about the other guys. What about McKenzie and Baco? Like, is that still in the realm of possibility? Uh, like, all of those questions come into play at that point. What about Cormac Ryan, who was just on campus here this week? Like, I love that Carolina is casting a wide net right now because it helps them. It's like a little bit of some speed dating and you figure out, okay, who best fits what we've got and who we think we're going to get. And then let's add that person to the roster. So um, I'm encouraged. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it turned out that Carolina got one of Cleveland or Ingram plus Cormac Ryan. And, you know, maybe somebody reclassifying in the backcourt, something like that. I don't know. Um, And then you would still need that fourth scholarship, I would say, to go to a front court player. So uh, obviously we're going to continue to keep our eyes on all of this. It's going to continue to unfold. I promise you there will be more twists and turns before it's all said and done. And probably some names you haven't even thought about yet that I haven't even thought about yet. That's just the nature of the transfer portal. But that's why I'm here is to help you sort through it all, process it all, and try to put it into some sort of order and sense. So Please, if you have questions, reach out. All sorts of people have been contacting me all over the place, whether it's through email, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com, Twitter DMs, Instagram DMs, Facebook DMs. It's coming from everywhere. I promise you I'll find it and I'll get to you if you send it to me. 
Well, folks, lots more obviously to come. Uh, as I said, unless there's more big news tomorrow, I promise you we will talk Jaron Stevenson on Friday along with some other stuff. Uh, we'll talk about Carolina tennis. The ACC tournament is cranking up. This or It's already started, but both Carolina teams don't play till Friday because they got double buys. Really appreciate you joining me on today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Please, if you would, go leave a five-star review on Apple Music or anywhere else. It'll allow you to leave reviews. That's how the show keeps getting out there to more and more and more people. I, I just, folks, it's so fun. This community is growing like wildfire. Uh, we probably need to start like a chat somewhere. We should do that, right? That'd be fun. Or a message board, something that would be great. You can follow the show on Twitter, Locked on Heels. You can follow me on Twitter, at Isaac Shade. Already said it multiple times, but email us, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe, smash the like button, and leave comments on all this continuing saga with the transfer portal. What do you think about Matthew Cleveland, Harrison Ingram, any of these other guys? Hey, want to remind you, I know it's wild and crazy, but it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. We'll be back tomorrow with you, but until then, peace. Peace.